How you doing this morning? Well, you look marvelous. You look marvelous. So, uh, word has it that we've got a, a fellowship of Christian athletes group from Northeast Iowa. Where are you guys? Uh, where are you? Okay, hey, woo, Christian athletes. It's really good to have you here. Welcome to Woodland Hills. Fantastic. Also, um, I don't know if Omar's here. Omar, are you here? Uh, this guy, there you are back there. There's Omar. Say hello to Omar. He's from Bolivia. Uh, he he uh, had a he's a missionary over in Bolivia and uh, has been podcasting and uh, had uh, to come down to Florida uh, for his business trip and thought well as long as he's in the states might as well come up here to Woodland Hills and say hi so <laughs> little little hop skip and a jump so praise God and to everybody else who's visiting from who knows where we're glad to have you here as well we just uh, love what uh, God's doing through the podcast ministry and that we're able to impact lives all over the place. That's great. Uh, yeah, so the Father of Lights uh, film is uh, it's a documentary, and it just kind of it catalogs uh, cool things that display God's beautiful character, and uh, does that in a context where sometimes things are pretty hellish. So uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of a witness thing. And there's a friend of mine. Uh, I worked with him a little bit on a different documentary, and I'm on this one. So I might want to come be a part of that. Also, and this is just weird, I, it's not like I spend time doing these things, but um, uh, I, there's another documentary that's already come out, came out this week, and I actually did that one about a year before, but it just came out at the same time this other one comes out. But uh, this is called Hellbound, and it's playing at uh, the Inver Grove uh, uh, 16 theaters, and, and it's going like all throughout the week. I'll be there, it's, it's playing throughout next week as well, and I'll be there, uh, and the producer will be there on Tuesday, next Tuesday, um, at 7.15. And there's different showings, but that's a showing. And then we're going to have a Q&A afterwards. So and that, that's a documentary on hell. And uh, um, I'm censoring a joke right now. Uh, and it, it's, it looks at different... It's basically just saying that the traditional way, the, the idea that, that hell is goes on forever and ever isn't the only way of thinking about it. Never has been the only way of thinking about it. And um, uh, so uh, it, that's kind of... I have a little snippet in there. But there's a bunch of other people. And it's, it's very interesting. So there you go. There's some movies to go check out. Um... I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but I am going to ask you, uh, did you engage in the practice that I assigned last week? Just think about that, and about 30 years going, oh, that's right, I forgot about that. Uh, I, I, I'm just feeling uh, uh, an energy about that um, to be uh, really challenging us, uh, to be practicing faith. This is, we often think of faith as a noun, it's something you have, and it is something you have. But the thing about faith is it, you can only have it by doing it. It's like you can, if, if you can say, I have a dream, but you only have a dream if you're dreaming. And so it is all important that we practice faith, faith we've been seeing. And I know some of you are going to get sick of this, but, but I, I want to drill this in. Faith is the substance, Hebrews 11 and 1, the substance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is hypostasis. Fritz, put that uh, uh, thing up there, the, the verse. It's a hypostasis. Uh, which means the substance, the, 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 it's seeing what you don't physically see, but you see it in your imagination as a substantial reality. It's a vision, it's a dream, and that creates a conviction, a leg cost, that it is so. And uh, this is something we need to be doing all the time. People, we, it, this, this isn't the way we usually think about things. We don't usually think that our imagining is the driver of our life, but in fact it is. 
And you're imagining all the time because every time you remember, you're imagining. Every time you anticipate, you're, you're imagining. Anytime you think about something that's not in your, right in front of you, you're imagining. It's how we think. And uh, uh, according to your faith, be it unto you. This sets the course of your life. We, are, we always are moving in our actions towards what we are envisioning. Everything we do is a working out of what the world that is between our ears. And uh, uh, you're going to be thinking, imagining 40,000 movies uh, a day. That's all day long. That it just turns. The question is, will they be movies that are true or movies that aren't? And either way, they're going to be moving you in one direction or the other. And the Bible commands us to be a people who take authority over our imagining, authority over our thoughts. Take every thought captive. Second uh, Corinthians 10.5. Uh, which everything's are good, which everything's are true, which everything's are lovely. Uh, think on those things. Philippians 4.8. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12.2. On and on. And so I encourage you morning, noon, and night. I'm going to give you the same assignment again. Uh, at least three times a day, but preferably 30 or 300 or 3,000 or 30,000 times. Uh, take a moment and envision who you are when you are a version of Jesus. Because in fact, if you're surrendered to him, you are. If you've opened up your heart, he moves right in and starts living life through you. Your life is Christ, right? Your life is Christ. The question is, do we manifest that life by getting our thoughts to line up with it, or do we suppress it by running tapes and movies uh, that are not true? Every lie suppresses it. Every truth releases it, all right? And so spend time uh, faithing. Faith is a verb. Faithing, dreaming, envisioning. Jesus said, and I'm not preaching on this, by the way. This is not my sermon. But, uh, he, he, you know, he said, well, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Uh, Luke 11, Luke 18, both say that. And he's referring there to persistence, a person who, who knocked on the door constantly to, to get some bread, to offer some, some guests, or the, the lady who knocked on the door to get her case heard by this unjust judge. And, and Jesus is saying that it's in the nature of faith to be persistent. It's about fixing your eyes on things above. Right? And the word fix there, and we're going to read the verse here in a second. The word fix is, is a resolve. It's a decision. It's a, something you pursue with intensity. You don't do it once and let it go. No, it's, it's, a, it's something you chase after. You're going for it. Okay, so fix your mind, fix your heart, fix your eyes on things above. Uh, that is, in a way, what we're going to be talking about uh, here today. I, we're entitling this message Deep Truth. Because um, there is a surface truth, and then there's a deep truth. And the surface truth is the way things appear. The deep truth is the way things actually are. And so to get at this a little bit, uh, I want to show a clip here from a, a, a movie that was actually done 18 and a half years ago. I, I thought it was done like eight years ago until I went and looked at the clip. And it's actually 18 and a half years ago. This is a clip from The Lion King. Uh, so check it out. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No! Look hard. You see, he lives in you. 
forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. No, please, don't leave me. Father, don't leave me. That is pure gospel. That is pure gospel. That is that that nails it. Look harder. He lives in you. Look hard. He lives in you. Don't forget the Father. Don't forget the Father by forgetting who you are. Remember. Remember who you are. Remember who He is. Because who you are is a reflection of who He is. And He lives in you. The question is, do you see that or not? Do you see that or not? Are you looking hard enough? Are you looking past the surface and seeing into the deep truth? Uh, we spoke last week about this surface truth and this deep truth. The surface truth is, is the way things appear, our ordinary view of the world, the boring, commonsensical way of looking at the world, uh, where we're half asleep, where uh, we look at a tree, but we've seen a thousand trees, maybe 10,000 trees, and so it's nothing interesting. Uh, we don't really see the tree. We look at our spouse or our kids or our own reflection in the mirror or the stars, the sun. Uh, but we've seen it all before and therefore it doesn't seem very, very significant. It's our common, ordinary way of looking at the world. That's the, the surface truth. It's not necessarily wrong. It just doesn't tell the whole story. In fact, it only tells a fraction of the story. It's a shadow of the real story, a shadow of real reality. Real reality is the depth reality. And so there are, some of us have had this experience where you wake up and all of a sudden you realize the beautiful bizarreness of existence. And all of a sudden it's not commonsensical and boring and ordinary. It's, it's spectacular to the very fact that we exist, that the very fact that there's something rather than nothing is, is, is incredible. You wake up to the weirdness of that and, and uh, we don't even know what existence is. It's, it's spectacular and we're aware of existence. We're conscious of existence, but we don't even know really what consciousness is or how it's produced or even what we are. It's, it's, it's we're, we swim in a sea of mystery. And the more we find out about this bizarre reality that we're a part of, uh, the more unlike common sense it seems. And so we talked about the weird uh, and beautiful unpredictability that's built in the very fabric of things. Uh, the unpredictability of quantum particles that can exist before their measurement and their superposition in a multitude of states at once. And, and then we talked about especially this bizarre and beautiful reality of entangled particles. In the EPR experiment where if you shoot these entangled particles in opposite directions, uh, whatever you do to one is instantly done to the other. Deflect the spin of one and you deflected the spin of the other. And, uh, uh, and so in some sense, they still function like one particle. That's what it is to be an entangled particle, even though they could be separated by light years. A surface truth would say, no, they're, they're separated by light years, so they can't have anything to do with one another. But the deep truth, 
And the deep truth always runs way beyond and sometimes even against our common sense. The deep truth is that in some sense they are one particle. See, we, we, uh, we look at the world half asleep and we don't really see. Look harder. To look harder is to look beyond the surface. The same thing is true of us, we saw last week. There's a surface truth about us, the boring us, the routine us, the us that we've grown up with, the us that we're used to. It's the us that is largely inherited from the world, where for most people, the thoughts are simply uh, triggered re- replays, automated replays of what's been said to us and what we've internalized and what experiences we've had. It just is sort of this redundancy, this replay of, of the external world. And so uh, our, our surface truth self is a self that is largely and sadly for a lot of people almost totally defined by the world around them. But that is not the full story about us. That's not even a fraction of the full story. That's a, a mere shadow of the truth. The deep truth about us, for all people, all human beings, is that, that, that you're made for much, much more than that. Uh, as, as the Father says, you're made for more than you have become. Uh, you're created in the image of God. Every human being is loved with an unsurpassable love, and God has a hope and a dream for every human being. What's also true is that if you've surrendered to his love, as it's revealed in Christ, now you are a child of God in a unique sense. And so now there is a deep truth to you that is just mind-boggling, beautifully bizarre, fantastic. And it is, it is what is already true of us, but we only manifest it to the degree that we surrender to it, that we see it, that we look hard and look past the surface truth and grab hold of it and internalize it. According to your faith, be it unto you. The reason why the New Testament always emphasizes having faith. You're saved by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So many people think that that means belief. If you, have, if you believe in the proposition that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, well, then everything's cool. But faith is not belief. Faith is what you do when you believe. You have to act on the belief. Faith is this envisioning. All right? And it's this commitment, to this this trust and trustworthiness, and the trustworthiness starts in our brain. Will we be trustworthy in the way that we do our think? Will we see what we're supposed to see? What reflection do we see in the mirror of our mind? Uh, are we persistent on envisioning this? Uh, there's a part of our natural, boring, fallen, surface truth brain that resists the gospel because it's just too dang weird. Uh, we're addicted to the normal. We, we like it ordinary, you know, and, and, and so when there's truth that seems too good to be true, our boring, fallen, surface truth brain wants to delete it. We don't want to look harder at it. It's odd. It seems too good to be true. It seems like a fairy tale. But see, this is, this is discipleship. It's when you choose to believe what, what Father has spoken about you and what he, is in fact true. You believe that even when it goes against your common sense. That's the only way we'll ever become extraordinary. Because we are extraordinary, but we don't manifest it to the degree that the tapes and the movies and the faith that we're running in our brain isn't in line with that. All right? So here's the, the, the deep truth about us and the deep truth about God and Christ uh, that we read last week. Same four verses. I want to read them again. And then uh, we're going to look at it from a particular angle. Paul says, Since then... You have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Deep truth here. Uh, You were raised with Christ. 
You thought he, that, that, you know, he existed 2,000 years ago and you thought that therefore he can't have much to do with you because you just started existing recently, relatively speaking. And uh, uh, the deep truth is that, in fact, you were raised when he was raised. That is actually true of all human beings. As all were in Adam, so all are in Christ. But it's only when we have faith in this that it gets activated into our life. So if you have faith in Christ, then somehow, like in an entangled way, when he was raised, you were raised. That's the deep truth. That's the deep truth. You were raised with him. And so he is seated at the right hand of God. Right hand there is just an idiomatic way of saying in the power position, position of authority. So then Paul says, since that is true, set your minds on things above. Fix your mind on that. Resolve to make that your think. Envision that. Set your mind on things above. Not on these earthly things. Not just on the surface truth things. For you died. There's another deep truth. You thought you're still alive. No, you died 2,000 years ago. You've been dead a long time. If you have faith in this, and that's your old self that was taken into the grave. Everything about you that was inconsistent with the character of God it is dead. Now, maybe in a surface truth uh, way of thinking, it doesn't feel dead. But in fact, it is dead. And the only way, well, way you'll begin to manifest its deadness is by planning it and seeing it and envisioning it and moving in it according to your faith be it unto you. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As Ruth just spoke about so eloquently there in a song that we say, saying, your life is Christ. You died and now the, what animates you, who animates you in the deep truth is, is Christ. And your life is hidden in a vault in heaven. And that vault is God. Pretty secure, I'm thinking. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Father, anoint this message. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Help us to fix our minds. Resolve our minds and our imagination and the eyes of our heart on you, on things above. And for everyone listening through podcasts, everyone in this auditorium, let your spirit fall. Come alive. Ignite it. Mm. Get us to get our minds and hearts in line with you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. So I want to now look at one particular aspect of this beautiful, deep truth uh, about us that Paul has just spoken here. I want to look at what it means to say that we are raised with Christ. Uh, Typically, we think that being raised with Christ simply means that we've inherited eternal life, that he has conquered conquered death and the grave. and, And that is true. But it actually means much more than that, as, as we're going to now see. Uh, to really capture the full significance of what it means to say that we are raised with Christ. Uh, we got to go back to the beginning. Uh, and ask the question, what, why, what, what is the purpose for which God made human beings? And at least one of, those, one of our purposes uh, was to have dominion, right? first mandate in, in the Bible was for human beings to have dominion over the earth and over the animal kingdom, over everything that is under our authority. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to dominate or, or just use for our own purposes those things. It means, in fact, that we're supposed to reflect, we're supposed to rule them the way God rules us. Under the headship of Jesus Christ, we're to reflect God's character to the earth and the animal kingdoms. Uh, that there's a stewardship that is there, uh, that's implied there. There's a caretaking that's implied there. We're, we're, to, we're to love them, have, have loving mastery over the earth and the animal kingdom. And that way, see, God will be uh, Lord of all things through us. He, he wants to be Lord of the whole earth, but he doesn't want to just do it himself. He wants to do it with a co-partner. And so we're called to be co-rulers. That's part of what's implied in uh, the idea that we're the bride of Christ. He wants a bride to sit on the throne with him. And so we will reign with him here on this land. That is still God's objective, by the way. 
God hasn't given up on his real estate. He hasn't given up on his plan for human beings. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth, but we are going to reign on this earth. And so it says in Revelation 5, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. That time is still coming. And in, in 2 Timothy, it says, if we endure, endure, we will also reign with him. And there's a number of verses that imply that, that we're going to be co-rulers with Christ. So that's still the objective. Now, unfortunately, we, have, uh, we fell, we rebelled, as you know. That's the whole story of Adam and Eve. And we surrendered our authority over to Satan and the principalities and powers who deceived us by giving us false pictures of God. At the root of everything that's wrong in the world is the fa- a false picture of God. That's why having a true picture is absolutely essential. We, we believed a lie, and so we uh, surrendered our authority over to Satan, which is why Satan is now called the god of this age. The God of this age. He's the, the primary ruling authority over this earth still. Um, that's why the world is so screwed up, you may have noticed. It's an absolute mess. Well, that's because it's under this constant, uh, oppressive, destructive, corrupting power named Satan. So when we rebelled against God, we lost our position as rulers, and we also lost our competency as rulers. And so the animal kingdom that we were supposed to have loving mastery of well, it, it actually, to a large degree, is hostile to us. In fact, for the most part, it's, it's hostile to us. And we lost the character that, that would be necessary to have loving mastery over them. And so you, if you go to look at industrial farms uh, today, for the most part, the way they treat animals is nothing like loving dominion, not loving mastery. It's barbaric. It's hideous, which ought to impact us as we're making our decisions about food. But th- th- we don't have the heart. We care for our pets. You know, some people do want... I, I, I love pets, but as a whole, as a race, we have not historically been shown loving mastery to the animal kingdom, and there's a hostility that's there. Same thing with the earth. We, we haven't been consistent in having a loving mastery of the earth. Nature that we are supposed to having a loving mastery over, to a large degree, is hostile to us. We don't control it, it controls us. And uh, we don't have the heart because of the fall. We don't have the kind of character that's necessary uh, to express loving dominion over the earth. And so we have, to a large degree, throughout history, pillaged the earth and haven't been uh, thoughtful about the resources and have just used it for our own purposes. Um, And we haven't shown loving dominion. And in fact, because of the fall, we don't rule much of anything. Uh, we, We don't even rule our own thoughts, our own thoughts. But most of our thoughts are not things that we choose. It's things that we inherited from the world. And because we don't control our thoughts, we don't control our emotions. And because we don't control our emotions, we don't control our behavior. And because we don't control our behavior, we can't impact the world the way God wants us to impact the world. Because all of our impact is through our bodies. You see? And so, if we're ever going to be having mastery over the world, we've got to have mastery over our, our behavior, and therefore mastery over our emotions, and therefore mastery over our thoughts. That's why I'm always coming back to that as the linchpin of everything. People say, we're going to conquer America or the world or whatever, and they're not even conquering their own thoughts. Uh, it doesn't work that way. We lost our competency. We, we, we lost our position. But we did not rule, lose our impulse, unfortunately. We still have an impulse to rule. There's a part of us that says we're supposed to rule. But because of the fall, we don't even apply that impulse the right way. And so the one, the one, people we were never supposed to, the one thing we were never supposed to master was other people. And that's the one thing we try to master. We don't do the mastery that God calls us to, but we do a lot of the mastery that we're not called to. And so throughout history, people have been trying to rule other people. 
Most of the bloodshed throughout history is a result of people trying to impose their superior will on other people and, and, and whatnot. So you've got people who aren't competent at ruling, trying to rule uh, in the wrong way. That's called politics. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, and I'm not, it's not a comment about politicians. It's true of all of us. We're not competent. We, if you can't rule your thoughts, you obviously can't rule anyone else. Now, because the world's fallen, of course, governments are necessary. But it's only because the world has fallen. And so the very fact that we have people ruling other people is a sign that uh, the world is not rightly related to God. That's why, you know, Israel initially didn't have any king. They weren't supposed to have a king because God was supposed to be their king. When you've got God as your king, you don't need any other king. But all the, the children of Israel, they got a whiny. They didn't have faith. They didn't have trust. And so they wanted a king to protect them and go to war just like all the other nations. God finally said, fine, give it to them. But he told Samuel, they've rejected me. To, to insist on a human king is to reject God. When you've got God, you don't need any other king. And uh, that's why Jesus said to his disciples, you know, the pagans, they're always trying to lord over one another, rule one another, impose their will on one another, trying to, you know, cash in on whatever privilege they've got. Now, that's the history of the world. That's why it's so violent and bloody. But he says, it shall not be so among you. For you, it'll be the other way around. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. And you're to be a people who serve and who never try to impose your will on others. You just trust God to do what he needs to do. And our job is to love and to serve and to manifest the character of God. That's what it is to be in the kingdom. And I will say this. Um, look at as we're going into, you know, this, the pagans do uh, fight endlessly about this. And, and it gets venomous and hostile. And, um, and we're in the midst of that right now. And I'm just encouraging you to keep your heart Pure, fix your eyes on things above, not on things of this earth. Uh, remember, if you're a kingdom person, uh, I encourage you not to put any hope on any regime, any policy, any politician, any party. Put your hope on Jesus Christ. You've got your king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus Christ. And put all your allegiance into him and all your hope into him and all your security into him. All of it. You can't have two masters, okay? Can't have two two trusts, and so I, you know, I would never tell you not to vote. If you want to vote, vote. They ask your opinion, give your opinion. Fine, I don't care, but don't put any hope on it. <laughs> I, I don't just don't leverage anything on that. Uh, trust God to, to to run this thing. He's the only one who's confident to do so. But we were created. We were created to have rule of the earth and of the animal kingdom. We were created to be kings and queens of the earth. Now. We lost that, but when Jesus came into this world, uh, he came for the purpose of defeating Satan and the principalities and powers. He came for the purpose, therefore, of freeing human beings and reconciling us back to the Father. And he came for the purpose of restoring us to our rightful position as kings and queens of this earth. That happened in principle when he was raised from the dead. When he, when he rose, he was re-enthroned. Now, we are in... This odd time between the already and the not yet. Okay, it's already happened, but we don't yet see it manifested. It's an odd time where what is true isn't manifested as true. Uh, say, Jesus, in principle, defeated the powers and freed human beings and restored us, but we don't yet see it. Uh, this odd in-between time that we're in is captured in Hebrews 2, among other places. Uh, listen to this very carefully. You've made them a little lower than the angels. Talking about human beings here. You crowned them with glory and honor. There we are. You've got glory and honor. Wearing a crown. 
And, and he put everything under their feet, everything. That's the original design. That's, that's, our, that's our purpose. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Everything on this earth is to be subject to us. Not other people, however, just animals and, and, the, and the environment. Everything is to be subject to us. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. See, the surface truth is that, to a large degree, we're ruled by the things we're supposed to rule. We don't have mastery over nature or of the animal kingdom. That's the surface truth. But the deep truth, what is really true, is that in fact, everything is subjected to us. We don't see it. But, he says, we do see Jesus. We do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while. That's the incarnation. He's now crowned with glory and honor. Glory and honor that God has destined, uh, dreamed for every human being. He's crowned with glory and honor because he tasted death he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. What the author here is saying is that the surface truth denies the, the reality that human beings have been, been restored to their position of authority. So we don't see it yet, but we do see Jesus. Jesus is, it puts on display what we will look like when, when everything that conceals the truth is done away with. Jesus Christ is already what we shall be. Though in the deep truth kind of way, we are already that. We just don't manifest it yet. So we look at Jesus, and in Jesus you see the future of humanity. In Jesus you see the future of you. That's why Paul said that when he appears in the end, uh, we will appear with him in glory. Glory is simply what happens when everything that conceals the glory is done away with. Glory is the sun shining when the clouds have been, gone, have been done away. We live in the fog of war, which, which uh, clouds the glory. But in the end, all that will be blown away and we'll appear with him in glory. But Jesus has that already. So the, the deep truth is that we now are, uh, have everything put under us. And that happened, that happened when Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection is not just about Jesus defeating death. It's about him defeating everything that opposes God. And that is in principle already true. Uh, that that rethroning aspect of the resurrection is captured in a beautiful way in Ephesians 1 and 2. Uh, oh, right now, zero in on this. Holy Spirit, help us to attend to this because we're going to look at some profound and beautiful, deep truth stuff, which if we will have faith in it, which means persistently imagine it, it will transform us in an incredible way. Listen to this. Ephesians 1. I pray, Paul says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And the hope is not in a political party. <laughs> Here's the hope that he's called you to. The riches of his glorious. Everyone say glorious. glorious. Now say it like it's glorious. 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 Yes. It's a glorious inheritance. Hope that the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power incomparably great power. Everybody say it. Glorious inheritance and incomparably great power. As he's expressed to us who believe. That that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And here's what happened when he raised Christ from the dead. It wasn't just defeating death. No, when he was raised from the dead, he was seated. uh, He seated him at his right hand Right hand is that position of authority in the heavenly realms. Far above. Everyone say far above. Far above above all rule and authority, power and dominion, 
and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Mm. Okay, he says, let the eyes of your heart be opened. Eyes of your heart, that's not your physical eyes. Uh, It's the eyes of your heart, the eyes of faith, where we see as a substantial reality things that our physical eyes can't see. It's the eyes of our imagination that can see past surface, surface truth and see deep truth. And Paul here prays that the eyes of our heart, of our faith, of our imagination would be opened. Why? So that we could see the glorious inheritance that we have and the incomparably great power. This is the hope that we have. This is what we anticipate. This is what we put our trust in. All of our eggs are to be put in this basket. We would see as a substantial reality, run movies in our brain, be persistent in fixing our eyes on this. Uh, this hope that consists of our glorious inheritance and this incomparably great power. The glorious inheritance that he's praying for us to see is uh, everything we've inherited from Abba Father when we became his children. And everything that we inherited when we became his children was basically everything. Paul earlier in this chapter says that, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Everything that belongs to Abba Father, he gives to us as his children. He gives us his, his kingdom. He gives us his riches. He gives us every treasure he has. When we become his children, we inherit, we inherit Fellowship into the triune God. He gives us himself. He opens himself up to us and envelops us. That's why Paul says that it's the riches of our glorious inheritance. And it is glorious. If you're a believer here this morning, if you are trusting in this, if you surrendered to this and have committed yourself to be faithful in envisioning this, then what is true about you is that you are rich. Filthy rich. Not filthy rich. Holy rich. You're magnificently rich. You are richer than 10 trillion Bill Gates's. Now, maybe the surface truth is you don't have two dimes to rub together. Maybe the surface truth is that they're foreclosing on your house and you just lost your job. And I'm not trying to minimize that and deny that that's painful. You got to deal with that reality. Fine, but always remember that the best way to deal with that reality is to know that that's not the whole reality. It's not even a fraction of the reality. That's just the shadow of the reality. The reality is that you've got inheritance. And it's a rich inheritance and it's a glorious inheritance. It's the inheritance of all the Father. Praise God. This makes you the wealthiest person in the universe. <laughs> right along with all others who are part of the bride of Christ. You're very wealthy. And if you can env- envision that, open the eyes of your heart and see that. Open the eyes of your heart and, and, and sit in that and meditate on that. Well, I'm, I'll tell you, it doesn't make your earthly problems go away, but it sure puts them in perspective. And, and that can give you a courage and a wisdom and a, a, you know, just a motivation that will make you a whole lot more effective in dealing with the problems. The bigger your faith vision is, the smaller the earthly things Get. That's why Paul says, fix your eyes, fix your heart, fix your mind on things above, on the deep truth. And then he says that part of our inheritance is this incomparably great power. Incomparably. You can't compare it with anything. It's not just the greatest power because that'd still be a comparison. This is incomparably great power. It's the power, he says, that raised Jesus from the dead. Lord, open our eyes to see that the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you. Uh, God, open our eyes to see that the power that's in work in us is the same power that put Christ in heavenly places. The same power that seated him in, in, at the right hand of God. Lord, open our eyes of our heart. Open our imagination. Open our faith to see that the power at work in us is the very same power that put Christ far above. He didn't just inch out Satan and the principalities and powers. No, he's far above the principalities and powers. And, and the power that put him there is at work in us right here, right now. 
The deep truth is that you have right now a power working in you that is the same as the power that defeated Satan. The same power that defeated death. The same power that defeated sin. The same power that broke every bondage there is, is at work in you. Praise God. And you may feel at surface truth that you're pretty weak and pretty pathetic and don't have a lot going for you, but I'm telling you, that's just a fraction of the truth. No, the, the, the deep truth is that, you're, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We sang about it earlier, you're more than a conqueror. Why? Because the power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. You've got resurrected life in you. And, and part of your inheritance is to get that, which is why part of your inheritance is to be re-enthroned now as the king and queen, co-ruler with Christ over this earth, exercising loving mastery over all things. It's part of your inheritance. In fact, because you're entangled with Christ, it's even, it's even a little better than that. It's even a lot better than that, if you can imagine that. Uh, because it's not just that we have inherited the power that put Christ there, but in fact, because we're entangled with him. And remember, just like those two particles we talked about, they function like one particle. So also, when we're entangled with Christ, identified with Christ, we're put in Christ, and Christ is put in us. So what happens to him happens to us. So the deeper truth, the deepest truth, Lord, open our eyes to see this, the eyes of our heart. The deepest truth is that we are now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Now we are up there. And that's not just an inference that I'm drawing from the text. This is what Paul actually says explicitly. Ah, listen to this. He says, but because of his great love for us, a few verses after the one I just read, uh, because of his great love for us, ah, I love this, God who is rich in mercy... He's rich. He made us alive with Christ. There's the deep truth. When we were dead in our transgressions, so we were dead, even 2,000 years before we were born, he was dead. He died for our deadness. But he made us alive in Christ, and so it's by grace that we are saved. The fact that we were dead means that we didn't have a whole lot to do with this, did we? No, he made us alive. It's by grace that you are saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What happens to him happens to us. So when he died, we died. We're entangled. And when he rose, we rose. We're entangled. And to be raised isn't just about defeating death, though it is that. But it's also to be seated in the power position at the right hand of God. It happened to him, it happens to us. And uh, it is to then be seated far above all principalities and powers and dominions and authorities. It happened to him, it happens to us. We're entangled. And so the surface truth maybe would lead you to believe that you're down here in Maplewood in Woodland Hills Church or podcasters, you're, you're wherever you are, riding your bike or doing the dishes or in Bangladesh or North Pole or I don't know. But wherever you are, you are and Christ is up there and you're down here. That's what it looks like. It looks like I'm up here talking to you. That's a fraction of the truth. And that is if you're half awake, you'll think that's the whole truth. But if you're seeing with the eyes of your heart open, if you're seeing with the eyes of faith, then you'll understand that uh, you're not just down here in Maplewood, Minnesota. You're also up there with Christ, far above all principalities and powers. And Christ is down here in your heart. He is your life. He is your breath. He is your mind. You're entangled with him. 
What is true about Christ is true about us right here and right now. And so our prayer has got to be, Lord, help us to see that. Help us to envision that. Uh, God, help us to not let our boring, brain-damaged, surface-truth minds delete all of that as though it was some fantasy, some fairy tale. No, we've got to see this and internalize this. Fix our eyes on this uh, and, and, and pursue this because according to your faith be it unto you. You maybe on a surface truth level think that you are just uh, a nobody. You don't get any brain name recognition. You don't get a whole lot of applause. You know, not a lot of people know you. You're insignificant. And maybe in this, by the world standards, you are. But that's a surface truth. That's a fraction of the truth. What's also true, and Lord, open the eyes of our heart to see this, is that you are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that makes you a viceroy. That makes you his residential king here on earth. You are a king and you are a queen. You are royalty. You, 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 you've got the inheritance of the kingdom. Uh, you, are, you couldn't be more significant than you are. So, so pray, Lord, open the eyes of my heart to see that. What do you look like when you are a you version of that? Uh, to see that, what, what do you see in the mirror of your mind? Do you see the surface truth you that's insignificant? Or do you see the royal you that's a king and a queen? And that was made and created and saved to co-rule with Christ on this earth. Uh, and then fix your eyes on that. Fix your heart on this. According to your faith be it unto you. It may be that on a, a surface truth, on the surface truth level, you feel like you are weak. And you feel like you're in bondage. Right? Uh, you're in bondage to your porn addiction. You're in bondage to gambling. You're in bondage to drugs or alcohol. Uh, you, you, you feel weak because you don't stand up to anybody and you don't feel like you have much say-so and you just don't have much personality. And that may be a true surface truth way. Yeah, that's part of the story. You really have that and you got to deal with that for sure. But the way, the way you'll deal with that effectively is to know that that's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's a fraction of the truth. That's a shadow truth. If you're a child of God then, and surrendered to Him, then there's a, there's a, a deeper truth that's true about you. And that is that, that you... You are, you are seated right now far above all bondage. You are seated far above anything that could hold you down. You're seated far above all the things that could entrap you. The, the, the deeper truth is however weak you are on the surface level, you are incredibly strong. You've got the power of God Almighty working in you. you, you can, you're more than a conqueror in all these things. And so, Lord, help us to see this and envision this. Look harder. And look hard to see the, the, the truth in the mirror of your mind and vision this. Fix your eyes on this. Not on the earthly weak things, not the bondage thing. No, the truth about you. And as you will just pursue that, even as you're, you're still in bondage to this stuff, see, that's what begins to break the power of that. As you are in between your ears, so you will be in this life. And so it's, it's not a matter of you trying to think your way into a new truth. No, it's a matter of getting your mind to line up with the old truth, the deep truth, the real you. You, you maybe think that you're just a sinner and you're all guilty and you feel like you don't belong among God's people because everyone's more righteous than you and blah, 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 blah. And maybe that's true in a surface truth kind of way. And you've got to deal with that. That's, I'm not saying that's not important. But if you're a child of God, you've inherited the kingdom. Here's part of your inheritance. Uh, that's not the whole truth about you. That's a fraction of the truth about you. That's a shadow of the truth about you. The deep truth, and pray that God will open your eyes to this. The deep truth is that you are a saint. You, what's really true about you is that you are holy and you are righteous. He became our sin, the Bible says, that we could become his righteousness. We're entangled. And so his righteousness is your righteousness. And what's 
true at a deep level is that you, you ravish the heart of God. You, you have the radiance of his holiness. You have the beauty uh, of his beauty running through you. And so pray that God opens the eyes of your heart to see this and envision this. Run movies about this. Run a soundtrack about this. Uh, fix your mind and heart on this. What do you see in the reflection uh, in the mirror of your mind? Remember who you are. And you'll remember who you are when you remember who he is. He's just great enough to be able to take you that are struggling in the surface truth kind of way and decree and create by his, the death and resurrection of Jesus this reality that though you are on one level here, in the deeper level you are seated with him in heavenly places far above your porn, far above your drugs, far above the struggles that you go through, far above your unrighteousness. You are holy and righteous. You are a child of the king. Now maybe it may be that you feel like your life is just a failure. All the dreams you ever had just didn't come true. You screwed it up. You blew it. You, know, you, you don't do any of the things that you thought you were going to do when you were 17. The dreams just didn't happen. Your life's been one big disappointment. And on a surface truth kind of way, that happens sometimes. Life in this war zone can be incredibly cruel. So... Are you going to let that define you, or are you going to, are you going to remember who you are? What do you see when you look in the mirror in your mind? And if you see the loser and the one who just disappointed, uh, have a life that's insignificant, you're not looking hard enough. You're not remembering who God is, uh, and therefore you're not remembering who you are. Pray, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, open my imagination to see the truth. I don't care how ugly the surface truth is. I don't care how opposite it seems from all of this. you got to make the decision. What are you going to fix your mind on? What are you going to fix your heart on? And, 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 and the, 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 the Bible tells us to fix our eyes, fix our heart on things above, on the truth. Imagine this. See this. Envision this. And remember who God is. Remember who you are. I, folks, this is, this is the driver. This is what this will de- determine the extent to which we manifest what is true about us now or not. We're not to be sitting around waiting for the kingdom to come and wrap up. No, our job is to put on display now what is already true now, but which is concealed. And God uses this display to draw others into the kingdom and, and to grow this mustard seed. So right now, I want you to think, of, I'll close with this. Here's the exercise. All right. Is there any area in your life you where know, we're created to master, right? To have loving mastery over, uh, over everything from our thoughts to everything on the earth. Uh, is there any, of your, any area of your life that doesn't perfectly manifest that? I'm just wondering. <laughs> any area? All right, so I want you to think about that. In fact, what area do you manifest it the least? What area do you manifest it the least? Where are you least exercising loving mastery over your emotions or over, over whatever? Envision that. Get that. We're in the movie of that. And now, as we did last week, now I want you to run it again. But this time, see, and we pray, Lord, open the eyes of our heart, see you as the uniquely you version of Jesus. Because that is what is true. If you're surrendered to him. Now, if you're not surrendered to him, first surrender to him and then do do, do this exercise. (laughs) And envision it in full color. What do you look like when in fact you manifest the truth? There'll be part of your brain that says, oh, come on. No way. You know you're not that. That's silly. That's ridiculous. This is all a mental gimmick. This is just a make-believe la-la land thing. You've got to decide. Are you going to believe that or not? And I'm telling you, on the authority of God's word, decide to push that aside 
and vision the truth. If you can't see it, you'll never become it. Truth is, you already are it, but you'll never manifest it until you get your mind to line up with that. And I want to encourage you to this week, do this at least three times a day, morning, noon, and night, all right? Envision you. Look in the mirror. Look hard in that mirror and see the truth. Remember who God is, and God has decreed you to be this. Envision it. Run tapes of it. And if you did it 30 times a day or 300 or 30,000 or 3 million, it wouldn't be too much. Will you do that? Will you do that? If you're a kingdom person, this is the first act of discipleship. Oh, we so often shoot at our behaviors. Oh, that's a problem. I'm going to try to stop that habit. The behavior is simply a manifestation. of the, It's a symptom of the problem. The problem is you're not having faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Will you have faith this week? Well, if you'll have faith this week, say, I do. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up here. And if you're here and have any need whatsoever, it could be a lack of faith. It could be something else. Although I suspect that whatever else it is, at root, it's a problem with faith. <laughs> but uh, come up here and pray with these folks and uh, get freed from that. So, Abba, Father, we thank you for giving us your kingdom. Uh, God, for giving us this glorious inheritance and for having this incomparable great power working in us. And God, I just pray that you would be opening the eyes of our heart all week long. I pray today that we'd be dwelling, dreaming on you and envisioning you and therefore who we are because of you. I pray, Lord God, that we would be disciples of our brain. God, help us to practice brain discipleship. (laughs) Brain discipleship with a passion. Uh, Every other kind of discipleship is pretty worthless unless we're doing this. So Father, help us to remember, to remember day in, day out, 24-7 morning, noon, and night, to think on things above, to fix our heart on things above, our eyes on things above, and trust that according to our faith, our faith it will be done unto us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have faith. Have faith. Amen.